You're listening to Lego Masters Deconstructed. Welcome back to Lego Masters Deconstructed, Australia's only Lego Masters podcast. And I'll be honest, Zoe, I did Google and check. I think that's still true, so I'm going to keep saying it. I stand by it. Very excited today because we have finally got our first episode of the season, episode one for season three of Lego Masters Australia. And we're just going to dive in today and have a little chat about everything that happened. Yeah, this was a very exciting first episode. We did have a couple of predictions from our teaser that did come true. So I was feeling really good about myself. Um, But I think we should just jump straight into it. Let's go. So quick little reminder for everyone, the prize money is 100K and there's 14 builds over the season. So this is obviously build number one uh, and the theme was stop in your tracks. So they basically had uh, a bit of a mountain range, a train track around it, and everyone sort of got one section and had to build something that would make someone on a train want to stop and look at it. I thought it was a pretty cool theme, very broad. Yeah, exactly. They do often have these slightly broader things in the first episode where it's just kind of like build a cool thing. And I guess it's a good way to get everyone on the level. You know, they're all Mm. ready to go. I assume maybe behind the scenes they'll have a bit of a chat with Brickman through some ideas so he can kind of steer them in the direction of the sort of stuff that he's looking for because it's the first episode, you know. Question for you, Mm -hmm. if you were doing this theme, would you have chosen one of the pieces that had a straight bit of train track on it or a curvy corner bit of train track? That's a good question. I feel like maybe a curvy because I feel like it puts a bit of a like, it's like a bit of stage almost. You're like, you have to put something there. Whereas straight, I don't know, there's, it's, it's not as like interesting to look at. A hundred percent curvy all the way. It seems like it just would have been more fun and a bit more like complex and something to work with more. Mm. So they had 17 hours for this build. Pretty long one to begin with. I think we should kick off by just going over what these advantage and disadvantage bricks are for this season because it has been changed a little bit. So we have the platinum brick this season. It's kind of similar to the golden brick from last season in the sense that it gives you immunity. But last season you had to play it before the build actually happened. This time you can build wait for your feedback and see everyone else's build and then play it, which is a huge advantage. Yeah, that's wild. And I'm wondering why they changed it like that. I wonder if it's just so that the team still builds that episode and doesn't just skip and sit around doing nothing. Maybe that was the problem. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe they thought that the golden brick as is wasn't powerful enough because yeah. it potentially could have been a waste. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy. I think maybe they just want them to play it. Yeah. Whereas I feel like people last season, like the, the teams were hesitant to play it because they were like, oh, but could we do this? We probably could. So like Andrew and Damien didn't play it until quite late. I guess they sat down and they said, the producers of the show said, this isn't Survivor. We should probably make things a bit more simple. <laughs> we also have another brick that's been introduced, which is a disadvantage uh, called the Brick of Doom which gives the team a curse and a punishment. The curse just being like, Hamish will come and annoy you more than usual. And the punishment being you have to start five minutes later than everyone else, which I thought, well, initially I was like, oh, yeah, that's not too bad. But watching them in that first episode have to start five minutes later, I was like, oh, that's so annoying, five minutes for drag on. Yeah, I feel like maybe it's more of like a mental burden a mental curse than it is like a physical curse the other thing is for builds like the first one it means that you don't get to pick your space so they had sort of the big 
table and people were taking sections out, like you said, the straight or the curved ones, you, you have the last pick. Apparently, they will remain cursed until they win a challenge, if they win a challenge. So let's jump into each of the teams and what we thought. I will say that it appeared that everyone just like ran into the brick pit as soon as the time started with zero planning. Like everyone went in, got tons of bricks and then came back and planned. And I was like, this isn't how we do it. You're meant to plan for it. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, come on, guys. I wonder if they'll just like, let's get a bunch of bricks and we can start building at least structurally things while we're chatting about what specifically we want to do, maybe. Or it could just be an edit thing. Or maybe they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> Probably not the last one, though. Should we start with Gabby and Ryan, who were the ones that unfortunately got the Brick of Doom? Yes. So Gabby and Ryan are a couple that are married, but not to each other, yeah. as they said. They really push that detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah, and we're married. And I was like, cool. And they were like, not to each other. And I was like, seems like that was a very misleading way of explaining your relationship, but no worries. Yeah. <laughs> so their build was based around a Yeti that was kind of seeking its revenge in the town because they were extending the train track into its cave. I thought this was a really fun, creative idea. My favorite thing about their one, and I think they might be the only team that didn't, maybe there was one other one, is that they actually sort of extended the train track a little bit. They built an intersection on the train track and it was yeah. interacting with the Yeti. And I thought that was really cool mm -hmm. because as far as I can tell, no one else did that. So I was a big fan of that little detail. And the main feature of their build as well was that the Yeti had an animatronic leg that was kind of stomping up and down on this on this train mm -hmm. so they spent a lot of time really reinforcing the yeti and making sure the leg could move up and down so i think their pendulum if you will was swung slightly further to the technical side of things and the aesthetic side which is not to say it looked bad because the yeti did look really cool especially the face mm -hmm. um but overall i'd say the focus of the build was getting this specific emotion of the yeti mm -hmm. and the stomp wasn't just like a up and down circular motor it had like a stomp action to it like it was very I don't know how you'd do it. I'm not an engineer with <laughs> mechanical stuff, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, I think technically speaking, they did a really good job. And yeah, the Yeti looked really cool. I will say, and this is such a minor detail, it, it did kind of bug me that the when the leg moved down, it didn't, it was quite far from like the cart it was crushing. Like I was like, can you make that leg a little bit longer for me, please? But overall, it was amazing. Minor detail by me. And that's something that we'll touch on with, I guess, the next team maybe we could talk about, which is David and Gus, mm -hmm. because they also had a similar sort of motion in their build. It was, it's going to sound similar when I describe it, but obviously you guys have seen the episode, so you know, no, it's not similar, but it was this big chompy croc and it was having a big old chomp on the train line. Mm -hmm. Or on, on some trains? On a train, yeah. I thought this build was very, very cool. Also, I'm going to make an early call that I think these guys are going to be potentially a strong, strong contender for the win. I was going this first I build. was going to make the same prediction. <laughs> but what I really liked about this was that they had this cool... So it was a, quite a big crocodile mouth that was chomping up and down. And the reason why I related this to Ryan and Gabby was just because theirs was a bit more of like a... The chomp was a lot closer to the, to the Lego train. Yeah. But that was something they spent a long time working on as well, according to the episode, where making sure that it did have a bit of an impact was quite um, quite a difficult thing for them to achieve. Mm. And Brickman did say that theirs was the most technically advanced build 
out of all of them. So for sure, yeah, yeah, I'm impressed by them. Absolutely, and what what I really liked about theirs as well is that it wasn't just a crocodile. They held all these details. It was like hella disaster movie vibes. I was into it where there was like mm. radioactive waste in the thing, and that's why the crocodile was so big, and that's why I was eating trains. It kind of had a bit of like a a narrative to it that was really cool. So I'm a fan of that one for mm. sure. Let's jump to Jeff and Atlanta. Before we even get into their build, I just need to talk about the fact that she's a luxury dice consultant. Is that not like the sickest job? Is Atlanta the coolest person I've ever heard about? Correct. A luxury dice consultant is the coolest job conceivable. That's amazing. We need to have her on the pod to talk mostly about that. Sure, we can talk about Lego, but I need to know more about this job. Like, I know that when people play D&D and whatever and they have their dice with all sorts of sides, you have like a 20-sided dice and an 8-sided dice and a 4-sided dice and other ones. I know that people get into that and they'll have like their own mm-hmm. dice sets. And they'll be like, oh, this is orange and it's an orange that I really like or whatever. Like, I understand that. Mm-hmm. But at what point does that turn into you being a consultant? Like, I love that so much, but also... What is it? Is it for maybe people with just like a lot of money and they're like, I want these dice to be made out of dinosaur bones. And she's like, yep, no worries. I'm a consultant. I'll sort that out for you. Well, we're going to have to ask her when she <laughs> comes on for an interview down the track. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So their build I thought was really fun. I actually think that they had a really like quirky, fun idea. So they had like the cheese god. Yes. There's a temple there was a giant cheese kind of being held captive and there was a lot of, you know, other little elements going on. The, the townspeople were sort of taking bits of the cheese. It was a little bit dark. Um, I really liked it. I thought that they just like picked the most random idea that came to their head and ran with it and I appreciated that. Yeah, I was a huge fan. It was absolutely one of my favourites and the episode didn't show us too much of this particular build because there was so much going on this episode. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the cheese god thing was super cool and from what we could see of the build, the brief bits that we did see, it did look really, really impressive. So I think they're a strong team as well. Mm. Let's jump to Jess and Anthony. They did the volcano mid-eruption. For this one, I think the idea was definitely there. Great idea. Obviously, everyone's going to stop to look at a volcano mid-eruption. But I was a little bit confused by their execution. I didn't really get, and you might have an idea on this, but why they sort of had the top fire bit spinning. I thought like a pulse motion maybe would have made more sense. I think it was one of those things where they just said it would be better to have some motion. That's a bit odd because... We don't have enough time to really customize it because the other teams who did have specific motion spent so long on it. So it could just be that. Mm. And they wanted just to have some some more fancy stuff with the lava. It was an interesting build. There was a lot that I thought was really cool about it. Obviously, as you said, the idea of a volcano erupting is inherently a pretty good idea and pretty dramatic. Mm. But there was bits and pieces where I wonder if they almost overexerted themselves. Like they spread themselves a little bit too thin. Yeah, yeah. Almost had too many ideas potentially. Which isn't necessarily a criticism of saying that the execution was bad. There was just like a lot going on. And again, because the episode's so short, we didn't really get to see much of any of the individual bits and pieces sort of thing. Yeah. I did think that their kind of story that was happening on the ground was cool. Like they had the house and all the little details inside of that. So definitely ones to keep an eye on, I think. And it sounded like Anthony has a lot of character... uh, has a lot of experience with big characters, so I'm interested to see what comes from them. I also thought there was one weird drama edit where someone asks, but is that scientifically accurate? And the music's all like, dun, 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 and it cuts to ads. And then they came back from ads, and they were like, well, that's not really scientifically accurate. Oh, well, anyway, and just continued on building. And it was like, I understand you need ad breaks and you need some drama, but (laughs) it was just a little much, I think. 
Yeah, it's Lego Masters. We don't have drama here. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. We'll go to Amy and Darway. They had sort of a magic mountain. There was a rainbow waterfall and then kind of a cave with miners inside. I feel like Brickman said that this like wasn't his favorite idea. Like he didn't really like the idea of the miners. I actually liked it. Yeah, I agree. I really, like I liked the idea. I thought it looked cool. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's hard to see because, again, we only saw a brief preview of it. But I liked that there was kind of a juxtaposition between the two things, like, mm. you know, pretty fancy outside and then like dark miney inside. I thought that was really fun. But maybe in person he didn't like it as much. Mm, he, he was saying that it was sort of part of it was just like recreating the mountains that were already part of that landscape, which a, a couple of teams kind of did. But I thought that they had a really cool use of colour and the lights under the mountain looked cool. And I, I thought the idea was definitely there. We're going to jump to Michael and Harrison. I think this might have been your favourite parente from our brief discussion. <laughs> the idea of the theme park had me on board straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very excited for this one. Again, we barely got to see it, if I'm honest. So I can't even tell you really what I thought. But yeah. Brickman's thoughts were that they – it was a bit disjointed, I think, was Brickman's words. Yeah, I think there was – they sort of tried to do too much. Like maybe if they had just focused on like one big ride, say the Ferris wheel, and then just built out those stories on the ground a little bit more – Maybe that would have been a better approach, but I thought it was fun. Yeah, potentially. But what I see here is a lot of potential. Mm -hmm, Totally. In that I think those sort of problems are just indicative of talent and skills and just like maybe a little unfocused. Yes. And so give them an episode or two and they sort of start figuring out the Lego Masters way and they might be a really strong team as well once once they've – figured out what Brickman likes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I think I may have a bit of a soft spot for them already. Like I think they might go far. Like you said, there's potential. Yeah, they have a good energy to them. Great energy. I will say I didn't love the sign that they had that the when you drove, when the train drove into their section, how it just said fun on it. (laughs) I don't even remember that. I was like of all the signs you could have made. (laughs) Honestly, that kind of makes me like it even more. I know. (laughs) One thing I want to talk about real quick is the idea of like stopping the train. When Brickman was going around judging, they would have like a little video of the train and like maybe the train would stop sometimes and they'd be like oh you stopped the train and that was kind of weird to me I didn't really get what they were doing well yeah because I remember I think it was Amy had said oh the train stopped and I was like it's stopping for all of them but then it didn't stop for some of them or if it did it was cut out of the episode but Rickman was controlling it exactly that's why it was so confusing because there was a part where he he brought it back like he, he had a remote yes he had a remote yeah it was super weird as if it's like it was just like hard to know yeah what that meant or how high the threshold was or as you said maybe they did stuff for all of it and we just didn't see it for some of them i just thought it was a little confusing uh we'll go to owen and scott who uh did make the top two i will say at the start of the episode, I was like, okay, these are like the Loose Boys 2.0, Loose Boys from Perth, Jackson and Alex vibes. But as soon as they started talking and got a bit more of their personality, I was like, oh, they're not like them at all, really. No, no, not at all. Like, they just happened to be from Perth. But yeah, I saw some people online making that comparison as well. And I guess that was before they had seen the episode potentially. Yeah. But I think we're just going to go on the record out and say like, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. That's weird. They're absolutely their own thing. I will say, I did think that their idea was something that maybe Jackson and Alex would have done as well. Like they have sort of done similar styles themselves, but definitely they're not the Loose Boys 2.0. Oh, no, not, not at all. <laughs> we'll come up with a new nickname. It's a little unfortunate that they um they did a, a UFO because Jackson and Alex did do that UFO, but 
it is also a good example of how different they are because it's such a different style. Mm. I think they're also a pretty strong team. Yeah. I thought this was a really cool build. I like the UFO stuff mm. of it all. And they described the whole vibe of being like 60s paranoid conspiracy. And I was like, yes, that's very fun. I loved uh, the spinning of the UFO. And obviously Brickman said that that was like one of the best mechanisms he's ever seen. So like that's the biggest compliment ever. And something they did really well was they got attention with that big UFO in the sky and then they held attention with like the story and all the little details within it. So I think they're very strong contenders as well. Uh, yeah, I would totally agree. And lastly, Sarah and Fleur, um, who were our winners of the episode, they did the Japanese geisha temple and had um, kind of the people in the town like delivering giant sushi to her from a sushi train. So it was a very cute and fun idea. There were some things I did and some things I didn't like as much about this build. What I absolutely loved was the whole sushi train joke. I thought that was very funny. Yeah. And this bit, the bits of sushi were really, really well built, I thought. Yeah, they looked great. Like, they looked edible. Yeah, 100%. Like, I was like, oh, maybe I should go get some sushi. I was a bit confused with the size of the sushi. Like just just scale wise, the sushi almost looked too big. <laughs> yeah, sure. For the geisha's head, like I was like, okay, if we're actually going to feed it to her, I don't think her mouth is that big. <laughs> Minor detail. <laughs> they did have a lot of um, struggles building the head of the geisha, mm. and so maybe originally the scale was going to be slightly different, and they sort of had to make do as they went. Mm. But the only the only thing I didn't love as much about this build was that I feel like the the layout of the temple didn't really make sense to me, and I don't know how to explain that better. Mm-hmm. I think because there wasn't too much, it was like a fairly two D sort of temple. It felt like it was yeah maybe something they ran out of time on, which is understandable because I had so much other stuff going on. But I think that that's what really got me. But the sushi train pun is is strong. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. I think that's fair. Um, I thought that Sarah did a really good job of the hair in the end. Like you said, they had a lot of struggles with the weight and, and it falling off and that sort of thing. But I thought in the end, she did a really good job of that. And obviously Brickman's thought so too. And they were winners and they got the platinum brick. Yeah, they did. So interesting to see when they're going to use that because they can just keep doing the episodes and then just chuck it out as soon as they're about to be eliminated. Or maybe they'll win. Yeah. Or maybe I guess once they get to top three, they can't really use it anymore. It would kind of suck, I feel like, if you were in the top four and then you competed and your particular team came third, but then the fourth place team used the brick. Yeah. And then you got kicked out. I think you'd be like, wait a second. I think there'll definitely be some T's and C's on that. Yeah, I reckon so. So we finished the episode with a really odd um, scene, I would call it, of Geordie, who we didn't think was coming back, um, but he was there cleaning up the bricks sort of at the end of the episode. I'm confused. What's going on? Is he actually here for a purpose? Did they just sort of want to be like, look, we didn't completely ditch him. Like he's still around, but he doesn't have his own brick. <laughs> yeah. So in case you missed bits of the episode, Geordie appeared at one point, but he was in a janitor's uniform and he had a big broom and he was just sweeping up bits of Lego every now and then. And at the end, it finished off with him just like sweeping up the studio being like, oh, another day, another dollar. <laughs> bit, a bit strange, to be honest. Hey, congratulations, fan favorite. You're now a fake janitor. Yeah. Okay. I mean, janitors are a lifeblood of society, but it's a bit of a weird choice. I'm going to have to see how that one goes. We did also see at the very start of the episode, they had a little bit of a montage of sort of the season to come. And we knew Kale was coming in, but we also saw a little bit of a teaser of Trent. Yeah, for sure. So that's very exciting. Could be at any point. Who knows? 
but cool to have Trent back as well. And that's now three former contestants. So I wonder if there's even going to be any more. Mm-hmm. Three's a lot. Three's the most we've had, but wouldn't say no to four or seven. <laughs> So the preview of the next episode looks to be the explosion episode um, and they are kind of destroying their build with a bowling ball and it looks like they have to build some kind of castle and then destroy it. And that is to win immunity for the following episode, which is the first elimination. So second episode is to win immunity, third episode is elimination. The only teasery thing we sort of got here was that it looked like they might have brought someone in as like a bowler. Mm-hmm. They, you sort of start to see the garage door go up as they go, oh, we've got an expert bowler here. I don't yeah. remember any of the previous contestants being bowlers, but my prediction, just based on everything and also based on what we said in our trailer breakdown, the first episode of this year, mm-hmm. Is that it's just Hamish. That's what I reckon. We definitely saw him in like a bowling shirt in the trailer. So <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah. They might have played their hand on that one. Let's Oops. Not get our hopes up. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lego Masters Deconstructed. That's it for this rundown of episode one of the TV show, but definitely come back tomorrow after the episode and listen to our rundown of the second episode. If you want to get in touch with us, any thoughts or any questions, feel free to DM us or follow us on our special socials we have this season. Our Instagram is legomasters underscore deconstructed and our Twitter handle is LMD the pod. Great handle. Whoever came up with that one should get a raise. <laughs> Make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well because we'll be having episodes for every TV episode and hopefully a bunch of interviews as well. And also if you're new to the podcast, we do have episodes for a bunch of stuff that happened in season two. So feel free to go back and listen to those. That could be a bit of fun. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.